So let's uh, go ahead and bow our heads for a word of prayer as we get started tonight. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you so much for bringing us back here for night number two of Unlocking Prophecy. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us as we open your word, that you would give us clarity of mind, that you would um, instruct us, Lord, and teach us. And help us, Lord, to, to see what's going on behind the scenes, Lord, in this great controversy that's taking place in our world, Lord. Um, thank you for your love. Um, bless us at this time, Lord, and give us understanding, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On August 1, 2007, there was a 32-year-old woman by the name of Julia Blackhawk. She was driving in Minnesota. She was driving home from cosmetology school in Minneapolis. She had two small children and was happy to be starting a new career. As she was driving home, um, she was on I-35 West, and the bridge over the Mississippi River collapsed. It injured 145 people and killed, and killed 13, including Julia. She was a young woman with two little kids, and she had the rest of her life ahead of her. Yet she died in a freak accident that was no fault of her own. Two minutes on either side of that bridge, and she would still be here today. Her kids would still have their mom. We struggle to find answers when things like this happen. We struggle when a young child dies of a terrible disease. And there are time, these are times where we ask the question, where was God when that tragedy happened? That's often the question that is asked when terrible tragedies happen. But friends, we live in a terrible, sin-filled world where many people are murdered. We see that Christians are sometimes martyred for their faith, and it's absolutely tragic the things that are taking place in our world. So the question is, is who's responsible for the human suffering and all of the mess that we see around us? Well, Jesus answered this question by uh, telling us the parable of the wheat and the tares. So if you have your Bible, you can go there with me. We'll also have the verses there on the screen because sometimes we go a little quick. Uh, but uh, we're going to go through our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. It's a parable of the wheat and the tares. It says, Another parable Jesus put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So what does all this mean? Well, the disciples wondered that same question. They were trying to figure out, well, what exactly does all this mean, Jesus? And so they came to him, and Jesus said, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. That is, it's referring to Jesus. The field is the, is the world, and the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is who? The devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. So the one responsible for the suffering that we experience on this planet is, is the devil. He's the enemy, friends. And he's always been the one that's, that's uh, wanted to destroy us. You know, God... 
God only sowed good seed because he's always wanted the best for us. But friends, the devil has always wanted to destroy us. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like what? Like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil wants to devour you, and he wants to destroy your life. And if it wasn't for the mercy and the protection and the love of God, he would. He would. Do you guys believe that? If it wasn't for the protection and the mercy of God, the devil would have his way with us. If you've ever felt like you're under attack, friends, it's because you are. There's a war going on for you. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17 says, And the dragon, that is the devil, was enraged with the woman. Now in Bible prophecy, a woman is representative of the church. And uh, we'll look at that more in future, future upcoming nights. So let's read this verse here again. It says, And the dragon, that's the devil, was enraged with the woman, that is the church, and he went to make what? War. War with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. So here we see that Satan is at war with Christians, especially those who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Friends, there's a great controversy that's going on between God and Satan. And now we here on planet Earth are involved in this mess. So here are some questions that we're going to take a look at tonight. Number one, when and where did this war between God and Satan begin? Number two, what is God like? What's his character like? Number three, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? These are just a few of the questions that we're going to take a look at tonight. And uh, where are we going to go to find the answers, friends? We're going to go to God's Word. So uh, we're told in the book of Revelation that long ago this war in heaven started. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 tells us, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels, but they did not prevail. Nor was the place found for them in heaven any longer. Verse 9, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So there it is, friends, war in heaven. Now, why in the world would there be war in heaven of all places? Well, let's look behind the scenes tonight, and we're going to see what went on in the heart and mind of Lucifer, also known as Satan, and see why he, he and his angels rebelled against the God of heaven. Because we can't understand what's going on down here until we understand what happened up there millennia ago. Prophecy, the prophet Ezekiel shed some more light on this great controversy that's taking place. In Ezekiel 28, verse 12, it describes Satan, also known as Lucifer, as I mentioned, like this. It says, Thus says the Lord God, You are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You see, friends, Lucifer had a special place near the throne of God. The Bible says that he was the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He was one of the angels that was in the immediate presence of God. 
The Bible continues, it says, You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. Friends, God did not create a demon. Now, no, contrary to popular, popular belief, God did not create the devil. According to the Bible, he created a perfect angelic being. He was the sum of perfection, the Bible said. The picture of Lucifer walking back and forth among the fiery stones suggests that he existed in the midst of the glory of God. He was in the immediate presence of God. He was one of the covering cherubs, one of the covering angels, the Bible says. But something happened to this wonderful angel. The Bible says that iniquity was found in him. He allowed sin to enter his life. How, you say? What kind of sin? How could sin enter paradise? Well, the Bible continues to explain it. It says there in Ezekiel 28, 17, it says, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. So this angel became wrapped up in his own splendor. He was mesmerized by his own beauty. And his pride led him into sin and rebellion. But how could this happen in a perfect universe, you ask? Well, there's only one way, friends. God gave him the power of choice. And if you take away the power of choice, you take away the opportunity to love. Let me, let me ex give you an example uh, to explain this. My lovely wife and I have now been married for, for just over five years. We just celebrated our anniversary uh, just last weekend, um, on the 30th of September. And, uh, but I want you to know, friends, that I did not force my wife to marry me, okay? I did not force her to do that. Instead, I asked her, and praise the Lord, she said yes. You see, friends, love cannot be forced, or it's not really love. You can't hold a gun to someone's head and say, love me. They can't love you. Love cannot be forced. Love must come voluntarily from the heart. And if you take away the opportunity to love, friends, you take away the opportunity and the ability to be truly happy. And because God desired the ultimate happiness of all of his creatures, he gave each one of us the power of choice. He wanted all of his creation to love him on their own free will. God did not want robots or puppets that went around without feelings and just did exactly what he said without, without love, without being able to choose it for themselves. And that's exactly what things would have been like if we wouldn't have the power of choice. We'd be mere robots. Isaiah the prophet also shows us how Lucifer himself chose to rebel against God and how he changed to become a fallen angel. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 14, 12, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Do you notice one word which is repeated over and over in this passage? It's I, right? Lucifer had I problems. And the center of sin is I. 
Selfishness is the root of all sin, friends. And Lucifer was a, became a selfish being. He wanted to be above the stars of God. Inhabiting God's glory wasn't good enough for Lucifer. Lucifer wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to be as powerful as the Most High God. He wanted to have the authority that God had. He wanted to be exalted and worshipped like the God of Heaven. This is what Lucifer desired. He desired a higher position. He desired an exalted throne. He desired rulership and dominance. And he desired worship. But friends, the Bible tells us that in 1 John 4, 8, that he who does not love does not know God. For God is what? God is love. Do you guys believe that? God is love. It's his character. All that he does is out of love. God doesn't do anything that's out of uh, that, that's not loving or out of love. And because God is love, friends, love is the foundation of his throne. It's the foundation of his government. Love was all around Lucifer, but Lucifer turned away from that love. He turned away from the love of God. He got so wrapped up in his own glory that he took in less and less of the love of God. And that started a vicious cycle. Sadly, Lucifer began to see God as a rival. His twisted mind began to picture God as the enemy. The prophet Ezekiel tells us that Lucifer thought that he was as wise as God. Ezekiel 28 verse 6 tells us, You have set your heart as the heart of a God. Lucifer began to think that he could do a better job at ruling the universe than God. Try to imagine what kind of disturbance that this caused in heaven. Imagine a place where jealousy and slander and malice had never existed. It never occurred to anyone to question the wisdom and the love of God. He was such a good God. All of his created beings were perfectly happy. But suddenly Lucifer starts making these remarks. He wonders why God has to receive all the glory. Why can't he receive the glory? He wonders why every created being has to obey God. He thought maybe there's a better way to run the universe. So Lucifer questioned two things. He questioned God's authority, and he questioned God's fairness. So how would God respond to Lucifer's challenge? Well, many people wish that God would have just simply destroyed Lucifer. You know, that's probably what many of us would have wanted to do had we been in that position. But the way, that way that evil would not spread. But think about this for a moment, friends. Think about what this would have done to all the angelic beings that were watching and looking at what was going on in heaven. It would have made them afraid of God. It would have made them very afraid of God. And then they would have served God out of fear and not love. And God's character still would have been in question. Instead, God chose a wiser course he chose to allow sin to exist in the universe for a period of time. And by doing so, it would fully demonstrate that rebellion against God does not bring happiness, but rather sickness and disaster. Then that way the whole universe could see that God's way of love is the only way to true joy and true happiness. Thus the universe would have the freedom to choose who they thought would rule the universe best. And so Satan and his angels were kicked out of heaven. We'll read the verse there in Revelation 12, verse 9 again. It says, So the great dragon was cast out, 
that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. That's his goal, friends. He wants to deceive the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And so by his own choice, Lucifer became the devil or Satan. And now he was cast to this earth where he began to tempt human beings to follow him. Soon the whole universe would see the results of the rebellion against God. No one back then, though, except for God himself, knew how much suffering and misery Lucifer's plan would create. But the whole universe, including each and every one of us, must see for ourselves that God is love. And that His way is best, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because that is the only way that God can solve the problem of evil once and for all. That's the only way that He could ensure that evil would never plague the universe again. Friends, He wants every question to be answered. He wants every doubt to be settled in our minds. This is the basic explanation of what's behind the great controversy between good and evil. But there's another question that still needs to be answered. How did planet Earth become involved in this cosmic conflict? Well, just as God gave the angels the freedom of choice, He also gave humanity the freedom of choice as well. The same devil who lied to the angels in heaven also came down and lied to Adam and Eve. You're probably very familiar with the story. Adam and Eve were created perfect. They were in a perfect garden where everything was beautiful and absolutely perfect. There was no sin. There was no pollution. There was no trouble of any kind. Everything was good. And God told them that they could have anything they wanted, but not to eat of the fruit of the tree, uh, that, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But one day, they were in the garden, and the serpent came to them, and he lied to them, saying, Did God say that you would surely die if you eat that fruit? Oh, he said, the truth is, is that you will not surely die. God knows that in the day that you eat the fruit, that you will become as gods, knowing good and evil. This is what Lucifer was saying to them as he was tempting them. Lucifer was saying that God was holding something back from them. He undoubtedly said similar things when he was up in heaven to the angels that he was trying to get against God. He was saying that his way was better and that God's way was not good. So Adam and Eve ate the fruit that grew from the tree that they were told to stay away from. So they took that fruit and they ate it, and sin and death entered the world. The Bible describes this in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says, through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin. And thus, dead, death spread to all men, because all sinned. And what did sin lead to? It led to, the, to their son, Cain, killing their brother Abel, as well as all the pain and suffering that we see on this planet. Car accidents, cancer, diseases, they take the lives of both young and old. There's starvation, there's earthquakes, there's racism, there's terrorism, heart attacks, Alzheimer's, and much, much more. How did, how did all this get here? How did they get here? Because people received from God a precious gift. They received the gift of freedom of choice. But we corrupted it. Instead of choosing God's way, we chose, they chose self. 
And we continue to do that to this day. And unfortunately, friends, God gets blamed for starving children in Africa. But he didn't go there. God didn't go there and snatch the food out of the mouth of these starving children. Yet people blame God for things like this. Someone goes crazy and shoots everybody up with a gun. They shoot up the town. But was God pulling the trigger? No, friends, he wasn't. People blame God. It's fascinating that people do what they want. They live the way they want to live. And yet they ignore God. And when disaster strikes, they cry out, why did God do this? They can't have it both ways. People want to blame God because they, have made, they haven't made wise choices. And that's not fair. Could God have stopped Adam and Eve from eating the fruits? He could have, right? He could have stopped them. But instead, God warned Adam and Eve. And he appealed to them to make wise decisions. But they ignored God. They ignored his, his commands. They ignored his counsel. He gave them freedom. And with freedom comes responsibility. You are free to drive a car under most circumstances. But with that, we hope that you'll exercise that responsibility uh, with great care. Amen? That you won't be uh, breaking all the traffic rules out there, uh, not driving the car irresponsibly. You're free to own a gun, but just use it responsibly. You're free to fly a plane, but don't fly that plane into a building. What we have today is a world filled with people who frequently are using their choice in a way that doesn't involve God. In God is life. If you are connected to God, then there is light in your life. If you're not connected to God, then there is darkness. It's not God's fault if you pull the plug. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 tells us that sin separates us from God. As we go our own way independent of God, we separate ourselves from God, and sin comes into our lives, and we find ourselves in the mess that we're in. So did God take a risk when he created us and gave us the freedom of choice? He did. He took a big risk. Should Adam and Eve corrupt their freedom of choice, God knew that he would have to pay the highest price, the price of his only son. But the plan of salvation was there when Adam and Eve took their first steps. If they fell, Jesus would die. He would die for humanity. The Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. God had a plan to win humanity back. Not by force, but with his love. The Bible describes that love in John 3.16, which you all know very well. Let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Friends, if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you can have eternal life. Amen? That's God's promise to us. And Romans 5.8 tells us, God demonstrated his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for his enemies while we were yet his enemies. And the truth of it is, friends, is that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what's the penalty of sin? Well, Paul tells us in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But then he goes on to give the good news. Praise the Lord. 
But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, we deserve death, but God offers us the gift of life instead. Can someone say hallelujah? hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord, friends. That's the best gift that you can ever get. Friends, God doesn't want any one of us to be lost. He tells us in Ezekiel 33, verse 11, he says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? God pleads with us, and he calls us away from death, and he calls us to life. God offers us life, friends. This is a sin-filled world, but we can get out of it alive with Jesus. Amen? Mm -hmm. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, Behold I, that is Jesus, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. And he says, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Surrender is a key part of this thing. If you receive Jesus, he'll come into your heart, fill you with his presence, and then do something remarkable in your, in your life. He'll transform you and make you a new person. Amen? He will live his life in you. And when you surrender your will to God, you will experience God's power in your life. And he will give you victory. When temptations come your way, he will give you victory because his power is at work in your life. An incredible verse in the Bible is Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, For it is God who works in you, both in will and to do of his good pleasure. So, friends, God does the work. God gives you the power. He brings the power in your life. And we cooperate with that power. Amen? Mm -hmm. If you're driving down the road and the bar is calling out your name, that's temptation. That's when you say, Lord, I'm weak. I need you to help me to be strong. And suddenly, with this help, you're able to drive by that bar and not go in. That's what God can do for you, friends. When you surrender your life to God, God will change your life. You won't be the same person. Amen? He will live his life in you if you'll let him. Now, friends, God is a gentleman, though. And God won't kick down the door of your heart. He's not going to do that. He's not going to force his way in. Instead, he knocks. He's knocking. And he waits for you and for I to let him in. All you need to do is respond to that, to, to that knock. Open up the door of your heart and let him in, friends. Friend, that's what God wants to do. He wants to give you a new life. He wants to give you a new heart. But ultimately... The choice is ours. Remember that God values free will. So it's up, it's up to us to either choose life or not. To accept Christ or not. Friends, God has made some wonderful promises to us in his word. And the good news is that God comes through on his promises. Amen? And now I want to tell you a story as we close about another person who made a promise. His name is Sir Ernest Shackleton. He was a British explorer who in 1914 sailed to Antarctica. He hoped to become the first man to walk across Antarctica, he and his team, except things did not go as he planned. On board the ship Endurance, they got down towards the Antarctic. 
ice closed in around the ship and they drifted in this ice for months and months. Their supplies were dwindling. Of course, it was very cold down there, but they could do nothing but sit and wait. Then things got really bad. The ice pressed in so tightly that the ship was destroyed. So they got into the lifeboats and they went to a place called Elephant Island. They knew that they couldn't stay there indefinitely and that they would for sure die if, if help didn't come, if they, if they weren't able to communicate with anyone back home. So Shackleton took one of the lifeboats and he sailed with four or five of his other um, shipmates and they went across some of the roughest seas on the planet to the South Georgia Island. And there was a whaling station. There he wanted to get help. But that was almost 830 miles away, and the seas would be stormy, yet he told his men, I'll be back soon. He took four weeks worth of supplies with him, knowing that if he didn't make it back in four weeks, it would be because, knowing that they would know that if he didn't make it back in four weeks, it was because they didn't survive. The four weeks came and went, then two months, then three months, four months, Four months and the 20 men still waited on Elephant Island for Ernest Shackleton. He had not yet returned. Finally, after four months, Shackleton returned. And the men were waiting. They were ready. They were quickly transported to the rescue ship and they were taken to safety. And praise the Lord, not one man was lost. All of them were saved. Ernest Shackleton said that he would come back and save them. And friends, he came back and he saved them. Long ago, Jesus made the same promise. He said, I will come again. He promised that he would come back and save his people. And Shackleton's men were ready. The question for us tonight is, are you and I ready? Are you and I ready? If you're not, the question is, is do you want to be? Do you want to be ready? Soon Christ will come. We saw the signs last night. We saw that the signs are quickly fulfilling. So what choice will you make? Christ is knocking on the door of your heart tonight. But friends, like I said earlier, he won't force his way in. He's there longing to come in. He's, he's longing to help us. He's longing to become our best friend. The choice is yours. The Bible tells us in Joshua 24, 15, it says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is there anything that's holding you back tonight, friends? Anything that's holding you from holding you back from giving your life completely to Jesus? If there's anything that you're holding on right to on onto right now and you want to surrender that to Jesus tonight, I invite you to do that with me as we pray. He longs to live in us. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you so much that you have made promises in your word, Lord, and the ultimate promise is that you're coming back soon. And Lord, we've seen tonight, Lord, that there's a great controversy going on. We've seen that there's a battle going on for our lives. Lord, the devil wants to destroy us. He wants to devour us. But Lord, you've come to set us free. You've come to save us. And Lord, we thank you so much for that. Lord, we deserve death. The wages of sin is death. But Lord, you came to give us life. And Lord, we thank you so much for that. We accept that gift tonight, Lord. We want to let you into our hearts, Lord. If there's anybody here holding anything in that they need to they need to give to you, Lord, I pray that they would do that now. That they would sense that you're knocking on their heart's door. 
longing to come in, Lord. And Father, help us to open up that door wide and to have that fellowship with you, Lord, that we would become best friends with you, Lord, that we would see that your character is a character of love and that you have a plan for our lives, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, for the message that we heard tonight, Lord. Help us to, to be able to share this message, Lord, with others, that you are a God of love. And that the reason why these bad things are happening, Lord, is because we live in a wicked, sinful planet. But Lord, we thank you that someday soon you are coming back to rescue us. And we just ask and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.